0: that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Litmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And I'd like to begin by saying all good Bible students recognize the distinction between the Old and the New Testaments and understand that we are under the New Testament today as far as authority for our religious practices is concerned. At the same time, we recognize that Paul wrote in Romans 15 and verse 4, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. In this episode, I want to direct our attention to one of the books of the Old Testament that seems to just sort of get skipped over by so many when they're studying God's Word. I want to talk about the book of Leviticus. It is admittedly not an easy book to read. It contains numerous laws and regulations that can prove to be tedious and difficult to work your way through. That's probably why a lot of people don't spend a great deal of time in the book. Leviticus deals with God's laws related to the individual as a worshipper and to the priesthood as administrators in that worship. It is part of that system of law known as the law of Moses, and it deals with the covenant God had made with the nation of Israel. Because of this, there are, quite naturally, some items in the book that have no direct meaning or significance to us today. However, there are in the book of Leviticus numerous principles and lessons that are most certainly applicable to us, and it is some of those lessons that I want to talk about in this episode. We're going to look at some unchanging principles found in the book of Leviticus. The first principle I want us to notice from the book is the sacredness and the importance of worship. As I have studied Leviticus I cannot help but be impressed with the details given by the Lord as he instructed the people in the matter of worship and service to be offered unto him. The specific and even minute directions given surely surely show the seriousness and the sacredness that God attaches to the worship that men render unto him. The point is made again and again in Leviticus that the worshipper should worship God from the standpoint of wanting to please him and not from the standpoint of seeking to please himself. If we turn over to the first chapter of Leviticus and look at verse 9, just part of the instructions that are being given concerning the offering of a burnt offering. The verse says, Its entrails, however, and its legs he shall wash with water. And the priest shall offer up in smoke, all of it, on the altar for a burnt offering, an offering by fire of a soothing aroma to the Lord. Notice now, man's worship is called a soothing aroma to the Lord in this verse. And that is just one of over a dozen times that that same phrase is used to describe various aspects of man's homage to God. My friends, God pays attention to how men worship Him, and He is pleased when the worship is offered properly and according to His instructions. Obviously, we live in a time when men pretty much disregard God's instructions concerning worship, when the general practice is to worship God in the way that man sees fit and to ignore His instructions and His desires. The cry of today is, give the people what they want. Do anything to get the people into the building and continue to make it bigger and more entertaining so the people will continue to come in. There is not a whole lot of attention paid to what God has said He wants in worship to Him. But Leviticus clearly teaches that God is concerned about how men worship Him, and it is equally clear that God gave His instructions concerning worship for a reason, and He expects His instructions to be followed. When men fail to follow the Lord's instructions in worship and substitute their own ideas, their worship is useless, rejected by God, and the consequences will ultimately have to be suffered. Let's look at Leviticus chapter 10 verses 1 and 2, a very well-known passage of scripture. There we find Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took their respective firepans, and after putting fire in them, placed incense on it, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And the fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Now, without going into all the details, we need to notice that these two priests, Nadab and Abihu, sons of Aaron, obviously looked upon this aspect of the worship with somewhat less than the attitude God wanted. And this lack of respect for the specifics of God's instruction led them to tamper with God's revealed will concerning how he wanted to be worshipped. Now think about this for a minute. These were the right men, in the right place, offering worship to the right God. They got the fire upon which they burned incense from the wrong place. Yet the incense still burned, and it still smelled the same, but what they did was a violation of God's revealed will concerning worship. The lesson is clear but apparently difficult for many people to believe when God specifies the manner and the type of worship he desires, he will not accept substitutes, no matter how small a matter it may appear to be to us. Surely Jesus emphasized this point again in Matthew five Matthew fifteen, excuse me, verses eight and nine when he said, "This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me." but in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. Sometimes I wonder if Nadab and Abihu's last words were, what difference does it make? Or maybe, but you didn't say not to. The second principle taught in the book is a respect for God's discipline. As we consider the case of Nadab and Abihu, there is no reason to think that Aaron had any less feelings of joy and pride in them than we do in our own children. And we can imagine the love and satisfaction he felt in seeing his sons follow in the work of the Lord with him. It must have been particularly heartbreaking for Aaron to see his sons perish, and at that to see them perish in the very act of adding to God's will. But even at that most distressing time, Aaron showed respect for the disciplinary laws of God. It is a lesson appropriate to our day when strong discipline is needed in all areas of our society and most certainly in the church. In society in general, and in the Lord's church, there are those who will rise up in anger when God's principles of discipline are taught and practiced. There are those who will rise up in opposition to God's revealed principles of punishment concerning children as they are being raised, concerning the punishment of evildoers, and concerning the marking and withdrawing of those who are walking disorderly within the body of Christ. But how did Aaron react? Look again at Leviticus 10, this time verse 3. We find, Then Moses said to Aaron, It is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me I will be treated as holy, and therefore and before the people, all the people, I will be honored. So Aaron therefore kept silent. Aaron had such respect for the revealed will of God that he would not even uphold his own children in wrongdoing, and he kept silent even in the face of such severe punishment. There's a lesson here for us. We must respect God's will concerning punishment and discipline. We must stand with God and upon his word and his instructions, even when it concerns friends and families. Another timeless and timely lesson for us today involves the acknowledgment of and the correction of sin when it occurs in our lives. The book of Leviticus speaks very plainly about the need for following God's instructions concerning the acknowledgement of sin and its correction. Turning to Leviticus chapter four, in that chapter, we'll look at three verses. First, we'll consider verse 14. When the sin which they have committed becomes known, then the assembly shall offer a bull of the herd for a sin offering and bring it before the tent of meeting. Now we'll skip on down to verse 23. It says if his sin which he has committed is made known to him he shall bring forth his offering a goat a male with a defect now down to verse 28 if his sin which he has committed is made known to him then he shall bring his offering a goat a female without defect for his sin which he has committed the point is obvious when the sin is known corrective steps are to be taken God did not provide for his children to realize their sin and then try to ignore it and act as if it did not happen. Sin is nothing to be messed around with. What it does is devastating. Look at Isaiah chapter 59 verses 1 and 2 where Isaiah wrote, Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. The book of Leviticus emphasizes the urgency of taking the necessary corrective steps. The principle is the same today. Sin must be dealt with immediately when it is known. Still another clear lesson from Leviticus involves the condemnation of sins, of immorality, and sexual misconduct. It is amazing to me that the sins that are so prevalent today are addressed specifically in this book. Israel had already been given ample opportunity to see immorality as it existed in other nations, and the continual appeal of God was that they avoid such behavior. In Leviticus chapter 18 and verse 3 we are told, You shall not do what is done in the land of Egypt where you lived, nor are you to do what is done in the land of Canaan where I am bringing you, you shall not walk in their statutes if we were to continue on in that chapter all sorts of immoral conduct is dealt with and it is almost like looking at a script for a new york times bestseller look at verse 22 you shall not lie with the male as one lies with the female it is an abomination there is homosexuality look at verse 23 also you shall not have intercourse with any animal to be defiled with it Nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is a perversion. There we have bestiality. Interestingly enough, in chapter 20, where the penalties for various forms of immorality are given, death was the penalty under the old law, the law of Moses, for adultery, homosexuality, and bestiality. It is so very sad, but Leviticus 20 and Romans chapter 1 practically picture our nation today. God did not accept such immoral behavior in the Old Testament times and he does not accept such behavior today. I want you to notice how Paul describes sexual immorality in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 18. He wrote flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body but the immoral man sins against his own body. The sin of sexual immorality is contrary to the very purpose for which we were created. Paul continued on in verses 19 and 20 with these words, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, in whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Still another lesson to be learned from Leviticus that speaks directly to our times has to do with the occult. It will always be true that as the world becomes more and more irreligious and skepticism and unbelief gain in popularity, there will be a rise in the occult and in mysticism. It goes all the way from horoscopes to Satanism. In Leviticus chapter 19 verse 31 we find, Do not turn to mediums or spiritists. Do not seek them out to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. The truth is, to engage in those kinds of things is to be spiritually defiled. If we move to verse 26, we read, You shall not eat anything with the blood, nor practice divination or soothsaying. Over in chapter 20 and verse 6, God makes his feelings felt about such abundantly clear with the words, As for the person who turns to mediums and to spiritists to play the harlot after them, I will also set my face against that person and will cut him off from among his people. There is plain and forceful prohibitions against all such occultic practices and activities, and in this, Leviticus speaks directly to our times. Finally, Leviticus Leviticus teaches us of the certainty of reward for behavior, both good and bad. In Leviticus 26 verses 3 and 4, we find... If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments so as to carry them out, then I shall give you rain in their season, so that the land will yield its produce and the trees of the field will bear their fruit. He goes on in the next eight verses and continues to list blessings that they would receive for obedience to his commandments. But now look at verses 14 through 16 of Leviticus 26, where God says the following through Moses. But if you do not obey me and do not carry out all these commandments, if instead you reject my statutes, and if your soul abhors my ordinance so as not to carry out all my commandments and so break my covenant, I in turn will do this to you. I will appoint over you a sudden terror, consumption and fever that will waste away the eyes and cause the soul to pine away, also, you will sow your seed uselessly, for your enemies will eat it up. Then he goes on in the next several verses and lists punishments for failure to obey. My friends, that is the lesson we all need to learn and appreciate. God's blessings are for those who obey him, and the punishments are for those who refuse to do so. The same point is made by Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 10. For he said for all must appear before the judgment seat of christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done whether good or bad the book of leviticus so often overlooked in bible study speaks loudly to us today in its portrayal of such vital biblical principles remember the things written aforetime were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Thank you for listening.